going to go right to the word of the Lord this evening. I, I trust that I can just help you a little while and uh, we can, <coughs> pardon me, we can uh, indulge in the word of God. We've been up until last week, Brother Hodge preached a, I taught a great lesson here last week. and uh, But up until then, I don't know how many weeks we were in search for truth. But all I know is it was a bunch of them, and it was way longer than 12 lessons, but we, we did that and took our time doing that so that there could be good understanding in the Word of the Lord, and there's no way you can go all the way through the Bible in 12 weeks or, or 20 weeks for that matter, but uh, perhaps we helped you get a, a good handle on some things that are of importance in our life, and I thank God for that. Amen. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight about God's method of proving his people. God's method of, of proving his people. You know, in spite of the fact that we are God's people and we serve him and we love him and we're striving to go to heaven, God still wants to prove us and to know what we really are made out of. We sometimes, we feel that our profession of faith and our, and our just, our testimony, I guess you would say, and telling God that we love him and perhaps even faithfulness to the house of God and to the things of God, we, we think that that should answer every question and should without a doubt let him know our sincerity and and all of that works well, and I believe that God does look at every bit of that. But somewhere in your Christian walk with God, He is going to prove you. He's going to look at things in your life and perhaps test you and try you and allow things to come your way. Lip service is, is very, uh, it's very common these days for people to say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. For people to say, well, you know, you don't have to worry about me. I'm serving God. And lip service is good. And noble thoughts are good. And uh, these things are all important. And we want to tell God we love him. And we want to profess him and proclaim him. But the approval, the approval is, is granted when God proves us that what we really are are true saints and true Christians. And we really are in love with him. Amen. I, I, I guess I can speak from experience. If you don't love somebody and you're not committed to somebody, you can't stay with them and live with them and be married to them like I have for 50 years. So I got a little bit of corn in the crib. I can talk here for just a moment. But there is some proving along the way in our everyday lives. You know, I was thinking today, almost every product that is sold on the market, if you go in a store, it doesn't matter if it's an electrical appliance or, or what it is, it has to meet certain criteria. And uh, it's been put to the proving grounds. It's been put through the test. Before it can be sold to the public, automobiles, before they're sold to the public, let me just tell you, they are... They are tested, not one time, over and over and over again. We, we, we find that, that there are uh, underwriters and laboratories that place seals of approval upon 
appliances and things that we buy and automobiles and whatever it is. And the reason for that kind of testing is that to make sure that they're materially sound, they're safe, everything's in working order. Well, let me tell you, it works the same way in the spiritual world. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit for the next little while because the, the spiritual things is to determine uh, our performance and our durability and our limitations and our usefulness in the kingdom of God. There are enough people saying this is what I am and not living up to par without me talking about it tonight. And you know that and I know that. Everything that says I'm a Christian is not a Christian. You will be tested and you will be proven by God if you are a true child of God. I couldn't get away from the scripture today where the Lord talked about in the, in the latter times how that he is going to the threshing floor and he's going to throw the grain up into the air and the chaff will blow away and the grain will fall to the threshing floor. We are in the times of the threshing floor in 2022 because we are near the end and God is looking for people who are true blue. You see, testing removes insincerity. It removes hypocrisy. It removes the lazy and the weak from the ranks of God. Testing puts you in the race. You know, we are in a race. Paul said, we're all in a race. We're all in a race. And we got to run the race God's way. And furthermore, he said, we're in the battle. We're soldiers. Everybody say, I'm a soldier. I don't know if you know that or not, but you are in hard times when it comes to living for God. I, 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 I am amazed at, at all of the, um, I, I don't know how to say this and be real kind, but all of these preachers that it's just a feel-good religion. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of cross-bearing to go along with this. There's some times of hardness. The Bible said, Paul said, you have to endure hardness as a good soldier. There's hardness in our life. Can you say amen? There's, everything's not a bed of roses. It's not all glamour. There's great days serving God. I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm serving God. But there's also some trials and some temptation and some tests and some proving ground that we have to go through. So testing removes a lot of things and only the proven will achieve the final goal. Are, are you willing to do that dedicating and consecrating and giving yourselves to God? Let me, let me go a little further tonight. Let's note what the meaning of prove or the word prove is really uh, along with uh, some of the methods that God uses in the scripture. Prove comes from a Greek and a Hebrew background that means this, to test, to tempt, to try, to scrutinize, to entice, to discipline, and to examine. Now that's what prove literally means when you go back and you study the Greek and Hebrew background of that word. Remember, remember that what God used in the the things that I'm going to talk about tonight and what he chose to tempt and to try and to prove people with, and, and I'm going to get to that word tempt. I know where some of your minds went, well, God don't tempt us. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that word in just a few minutes, but I want you to understand God is never trying to destroy you. He's trying to make you into something better. Amen? 
He never tries to destroy us. Let me, uh, let me start by just reading tonight from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, I have, I have literally 14 pages of scriptures that I, I looked up and, and put together today because I, I wanted to give you some words. So there's no way I'm going to be able to give you every scripture. So if I quote a scripture or just give it to you, just jot it down and you can have it. But I want, I want to first of all read from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 through 6 because this is, this is a great example of what I want to talk about tonight. The Bible said, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Watch what he said. To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee Know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth, chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore, Thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. In this scripture, the Lord begins to talk to Israel and, and, and begins to tell them, I, I did these things so that I could humble you and prove you. Look at, matter of fact, there are several things that he did. Let me just name them. He humbled them. He proved them. He wanted to know what was in their heart. And he wanted to know if they were going to keep the commandments that he had given them. Those four things are listed in verse 3, I believe. And, and if you look at that, you have to understand that there was a purpose for God to take Israel through what he took them through in the wilderness. It wasn't just a little journey. It was a purpose for what God did. If you, if you look at that, the Bible, the Bible said in the third verse, He humbled them, he suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. But he went on to say, I wanted you to know that man cannot live by bread alone, but he's going to live and survive out of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. How many of you believe that today? That's the way man is going to, going to live. If you go over to the New Testament, you find when they were trying to replace Judas uh, as, uh, as one of the disciples of the Lord in Acts chapter 1, I, I found a very in intriguing scripture there in Acts chapter 1 where the Bible said that, uh, that, that they, they prayed for an honest man. The Bible said when they were choosing to replace Judas, they recognized they needed a man that not only had stood with the rigors of the discipleship from John's baptism until the ascension, but a man whose heart was pure. And so they prayed for somebody that had been proven. 
Let me tell you something. When God starts putting his trust in people because he has proven them, that's a great, great thing in your life. If you can be proven by God and you can succeed the things that God puts you through or lets you go through. So I, I, I want to just take, I know it's 18 minutes after 7. I got a clock here so you don't have to worry. But there are several things that we are proven by. The things that, that the scriptures talk about and many of them. I'm just going to give you four or five things here real quick. Number one, we're proven by the world. Everybody say we're proven by the world. We're proven by the world. And I want to show you what I mean by that. The Bible said in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, for the, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen? So we are, we are uh, we're proven it's important that how we live in our world. Our world is corrupt. Our world's on a downhill plane. All you got to do is turn the news on, read the news, watch the news, hear the news, Everything's bad, everything's gloomy, everything's, you know what? It doesn't matter what subject you want to talk about. Somebody said today, I, I, I was listening to somebody talk, and they said, we don't watch the news anymore because there is, all there is is bad news. Well, that's because we live in a bad world. Amen? Of course, I agree that bad news gets the crowds, and that's what people want to hear is bad news. But, if, but if, if, you, if you're going to live in this world, the Lord said, I want you I want you to live this way. I want you to teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. I want the world to know that you're not going to be that way. You're going to live sober and you're going to live righteous and you're going to live godly in this present world. Here's what, here's what James said in, uh, in chapter 1 verse 27. He said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pure religion is keeping yourself unspotted from the world. The world is a proving ground. Every day when you get up and walk into your world, you have something to prove to God. Think about that. Because the world around you, you're going to hear things, you're going to see things, you can't help it. You can't bury your head in the sand. This is a wicked, perverse generation. Amen. And so, so what, what we're doing when we get up and we walk out of, the, out of our house and we, we go into our world, we're there to prove to God and the world that we are true Christians. I hope, I hope 
You just let it sink in. I'm going to say some things tonight, probably going to rattle your chain a little bit. Here's what Ephesians, Paul said to the church at Ephesus in, in chapter 5, verse 26. He said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might, talking about the church, he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's our challenge to live in this world. How do you live holy in an unholy world? You have to have a holy God living inside of you. Let me tell you, that's the only way you're going to do that. You can't do it by yourself. You can't get, get good to get God, and you can't get good enough to get more God. You get God by grace and by faith, and when he comes in to live in your life by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can become an overcomer and live righteously and godly. And, and in this present world, you can walk with God. Israel, Israel, God left some of the unbelieving, sinful inhabitants of Canaan in the land in order to check Israel's devotion to him. But he left them in Judges chapter 2. Let me, let me read that, chapter 2, verse 20. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because that this people have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that though, excuse me, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. You know what God did? He let some things stay in Israel's path to see what they were going to do. He wanted to know if they were going to serve the gods of the Amorites. He wanted to know if they were going to serve Baal. He wanted to know if they were going to commit spiritual adultery and follow a God that was not a God at all. You go study the scripture. The Bible, he left some things in their world. When you talk about the world, you have to remember Daniel. Do you know what chaos Daniel was in in his world? He had a king that was threatening him. What about the three Hebrew children? I, I just speak to them vaguely here today. But, but go read the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. The Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the presence of the eunuchs that he might defile, he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love for the prince of, of the eunuchs. And I'm not going to read it all. But he found himself in a world that was not conducive to Christian living. You're not going to live in a palace where everything and every day God's going to get up and put ten angels around you and say, okay, everything's hunky-dory today. I believe the angels of the Lord kept around about us. I'm going to teach on angels here in a few weeks. I've been studying that. Even today I did. But listen to me. You're going to get up in a real world. And in your real world, there's all kind of conflict and problems and issues and things that you're going to have to deal with. You are a real person in a real real world. You, I, I would love to tell you that we live up here and the world lives down here, but honey, the world lives down here and so do we. And we have to be overcomers and prove to God what we're made out of. 
Amen. It was one of the most adverse conditions that you could live in in the day of Daniel and the Hebrew children. But guess what? Guess what? They stood up and they were proved by God. Amen? But if you want to take the flip side of that, what about Solomon? What about Solomon? Solomon, who was, who was a king and who was a man gifted with wisdom because he asked God for wisdom. Guess what happened to Solomon? Worldly influence got him. And, and it worked through his wives. What was it? 300 wives, 700 concubines? How in the world do you keep that happy? I read something the other day. Could I pause to say this? I thought it was one of the funniest things I've read. It uh, is talking about how life used to be and talking about marriage. And it said, well, just consider this in the old Andy Griffith show. Andy was single. Barty was single. Aunt B was single. Floyd was single. Everybody was single but Otis, and he stayed drunk all the time. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, that, that's preaching material right there. <laughs> Amen. But the world, the world is that way. You, you have to get up and live. Solomon, Solomon, 300 wives, 700 concubines, 1,000 women, but they turned his heart from God. They turned his heart away from God. Between true, the true Christian, Christian and the world, there must be a clear line, a clear line drawn between a Christian and the world. Could, let, me, let me read a scripture to you, or a few scriptures to you very quickly. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And I'll read all the way down through the first verse of the seventh chapter. But it said this, And God hath raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is, is one body? For two saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Paul's writing. He said, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now concerning, verse 1 of chapter 7, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. What I'm saying to you, this is the world that we live in, Solomon's world. Worlds of fornication and adultery and all kind of perverseness and things. I've never, who would have dreamed? Who would have dreamed they're trying to turn five years old, old from boys to girls or from girls to boys? Who would have dreamed that? That's the world our kids are growing up in. But somebody's got to prove what they are. And somebody's got to stand up for what is right. And somebody can't bury their head in the sand and say, oh, that's not really happening. Honey, it's really happening. Amen? So 
So this is what Paul, he said, you got to draw a line in the sand. And, and we are in the world. Everybody say we're in the world. The Bible said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. You can't be of the world. The, and I'm not talking about the terra firma called earth. We have to live here. This is our abode. But there's a spirit of the age that can get a hold of us. And if we're going to prove ourselves to God, we have to be proven by the world that we're not going to stand up for that. We're not going to live that way. We're not. You know what the Bible said? If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. That's what the Bible said. I didn't say that. If you're a friend of the spirit of this age, you are an enemy of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if the love of the world be in you. Uh, people misunderstand this scripture. Whoa, what is that talking about? It's the spirit of the age. If you've got a love for the things that are happening in our world, honey, you need a good old-fashioned baptism of Holy Ghost and fire because this world is corrupt as it gets, and I'm telling you right now, only God can change our world. Hallelujah. We're not only proven to God by the world, we're proven by temptation. Amen? Proven by temptation. Now, I want to make sure you understand this word temptation because it's used two different ways in the scriptures. It's important that you distinguish and discern from what area or source the temptation comes from because it is, it is in the scriptures that God does not tempt a man, and I understand that. But that's speaking of he doesn't tempt a man to do evil. So, so there's two kinds of temptation. One of them is an enticement to evil. It's a tempting. This type of temptation always comes from the devil and never comes from God. God doesn't tempt a man to do evil. He doesn't tempt a man to sin. Amen. If you study James chapter chapter 1 and uh and, and verses 12 through 16, I'll go there real quick. It said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God's not going to tempt you with evil. If, if you've got a thought and you're tempted to do something wrong, that didn't come from God. That's a pretty easy way to decipher that, isn't it? So that didn't come from, from God. That came from the devil. But, and, and I, could, I could read on here, but I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to quickly move forward. Because here's, let, let me tell you, the type of, of, of temptation that David fell under when he saw Bathsheba, that was Satan. The type of, of uh, temptation that Potiphar's wife gave to Joseph, that was the devil. That didn't come from God. But there's another way. Or, or, I, I like to call it a test, but it is a, it's literally a temptation. It's a test for the purpose of approval that God may bring something your way or allow something your way to make you a better child of God. For instance, Job chapter 23 and verse 10, the Bible, Job said, 
Job said that the Lord tried him. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as go. God is proving you, Job. To find, I love the story of Job. I, I, I was reading through Job not long ago, and I just, man, I thought, wow, this guy was awesome because the Bible said that, that the Lord just took his hand, took his hedge out from around Job, and he told the devil, he said, you, you do anything you want to, but you can't kill him. I mean, the man wound up losing his kids, losing his, losing his, uh, all of his, all of his herds, lost his money. He went from a very rich man to a poor man, had balls all over his body. He was in pain. He had his wife sitting by saying, why don't you just curse God and die? His friend sitting over here looking at him go through the misery that he's in. But you know what he said? I know my Redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. I know my Redeemer liveth. I, I, I tell you, when you read the book of Job, he, he was allowed to be tried. But when he came forth, he came forth as gold. He was richer in the end than he was in the beginning because he stood the proving ground in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to tell you you're going to go through what Job went through, but whatever it is God allows you to come your way, you just need to stand firm and say, I trust you, God. I know my Redeemer liveth. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him because I'm going to serve God. God, no matter what, I heard. I, I used to. Ha, I used to pastor a, somebody that gave a testimony every once in a while. Back in the days of testimony service, when that that was dangerous days, dangerous days. I could tell you some stories that I personally went through with testimony service, and some of them right here. But but this this particular person you stand up and say. The chance. I've just never found a place to turn back. And I thought that must be wonderful because I've seen plenty of places I could turn back. I'm not minimizing their testimony. Maybe they've never been tried. But brother, I felt like turning back a few times. It ain't all been hunky dory for old pastor. Sometimes I felt like, wow, maybe, maybe I'm not, not cut out for this. But there's, there's places in your life to turn back is my point. But when you're tried, when you're tried, when you're tempted, Abraham, Genesis 22 and 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Let me tell you about Abraham. The Bible said in the New Testament, he staggered not at the promises of God. He refused to be moved by his temptation. How much more can you be tempted than to take your son to the top of a mountain and lay him on an altar and bind him up and raise your hand to destroy his life before God finally stops you? How much more can you be tempted than that? That's why he was God's friend. That's why he was the father of the faithful. That's why the Bible talks about him and said he staggered not the promises of God. So both types of temptation will come against every child of God. Both types. And we are going to have to pray that, you know what, the, the uh, Lord's Prayer, remember this line, lead us not into temptation. What's the next verse or the next line? Deliver us from evil. Lord, that's my prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
I'm telling you, thank God that he is delivering the church from evil. Can you say amen? Remember God's promise when you're facing, facing the trial of your faith. And the scripture talks about the trial of your faith being more precious. I had to remind somebody this just the other day. I said, you've got to remember the scripture. The Bible said the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Why? Because that's what makes you strong. That's what makes you better. That's what gives you the determination and the stamina to live for God. I, I love this scripture. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is what Paul said, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you, in other words, he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. It ain't going to never get so hard you can't make it. It's never going to be so tough you can't make it. You just got to you just got to say, God, I'm going to make it. I read in your book that you wouldn't put any more on me. You wouldn't allow any more on me than I could bear. And I don't care how heavy my load is. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give it my best shot because you said I could and I am. Hallelujah. So not only are we proven by the world, we're proven by temptation. We're also proven by false doctrine. We're proven by false doctrine. When you learn truth and you come to the knowledge of truth, you will be tested. The Bible calls it in one place every wind of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine. There's a lot of winds of doctrine going around. And, and, and you know, somebody told me this week about somebody that, that uh, used to really have the goods and their theory now, well, it's, it's just about your relationship. Well, look, I preached a sermon in this church, religion or relationship. We don't need religion. We need relationship. I'm all about that, amen? But with relationship comes doctrine. And you can't throw the doctrine out the, out the window. The doctrine is important. I'm not going to linger here. I could, but I'm not going to stay here a long time. But you can't give up the doctrine for for anything. Signs and wonders don't take the place of the doctrine. Miracles don't take the place of the doctrine. Nothing takes the place of the doctrine. Amen? Everybody with me tonight? Could I just say it like it is? We got a lot of folks that doctrine don't matter to them. It's just how good can I feel? Whoo, brothers and sisters, I'm, I, you know, I'm, hallelujah, I'm, but, but when it comes to doctrine, it doesn't matter to them. Oh, I really feel like preaching a little while, Brother Hodge, because I, I know a bunch of stuff about, a, about this world that needs to be preached about. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You better try the spirits, and you better know what people believe, and you better stand on the doctrine of God. It doesn't matter how high you can jump. It doesn't matter how much you can talk in tongues. It doesn't matter all. The, you may have to clip your wings every week. I don't know. But if you don't believe the truth, honey, you're going to be in trouble because in the last days there's going to be a lot of deceit 
that's going to come along. You got to believe that Jesus is Lord. You got to believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. You got to believe in divine healing. You got to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You got to believe in the fruit of the Spirit. You got to believe in the things of God in your life. You can't throw doctrine out the window. Amen. A lot of heresies come along. The Bible tells us to be on guard. Watch out for false doctrine. Don't be blown away with every wind of doctrine. Don't follow the signs. Follow the doctrine. Follow God. You know what? There was a, there was a story. I read it today. It's in 1 Kings. Go read 1 Kings before you go to bed tonight. That's a, that's a very interesting thing. It's where Jeroboam, an old prophet, came to Jeroboam and told him what was going to happen. And anyway, Jeroboam said, well, come on in. Let me feed you. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. The Lord told me don't eat, don't drink, don't drink any wine. Don't just move on. And so he left. When, when another old prophet in the city heard that he was there, he sent to him and said, come. He said, come to my house. He said, I want to feed you. He said, no, the Lord told me. The Lord told me not to eat nor drink. And he told me not to linger here. And, And the old prophet said, and he lied to him. The old prophet said, but the Lord told me to tell you to come on over here. And he did. And he ate and he drank. And the Lord was not pleased. Little simple story. So he went out to get on his donkey to ride off. And just outside the city, a lion attacked him and slew him. And he died because he disobeyed the voice of God. He listened to another preacher instead of the voice of God. What I'm here to tell you when God says it, and it's in this book. I can't change it. You can't change it. Nobody can change it. We just have to live by it. Does anybody believe that? If it's in that Bible, honey, we got to believe that. We got to live by that. Hallelujah. Balaam, Balaam in Numbers 22, you find the sad biography of Balaam, of a man who gave into the wrong when pressed by the adversary and when there's a little money involved, oh yeah, I'll say what you want me to say. But let me tell you, you can't just say what people want you to say. You're going to be proven in the last days by standing on the doctrines of the Bible and believing doctrinal truth. Let me hurry. We're also proven by our willingness to dedicate to God and to consecrate to God. And somewhere in your Christian experience, you're going to be put to the test in the area of dedication and consecration to God. Commitment. There's not much commitment in our world anymore, not in any sense or any fashion. It's just commitment's just, I mean, it's, it's a thing almost of the past. You agree with me? That's why over 50% of marriages are divorced. I, if you're divorced, I'm not picking on you tonight. I'm just saying that's, that's what's happening in our world. That's why so many areas have changed from religion to occupation to spiritual to physical because there is no commitment. But when it comes to God, there has to be deep commitment. And if we don't have it, you know, the rich young rulers, of one, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing story to me. Because when the Lord, when he came to the Lord and, and said, good master, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. And he said, well, you've got to keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. I've already done that. And the Lord said, thou lackest one thing. The Lord read past all that little veneer that he was putting up. And just remember this, God always sees past your answer into your heart. And it doesn't matter what you say, it's a matter of what you do. And he said, well, you lack one thing. He said, what is that? He said, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. The last picture you get of the rich young ruler in the scriptures is the Bible said he walked away sorrowfully. He went away sorrowfully. He tucked his head and said, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I just can't do that. So you've got to be proven. Peter, Peter was challenged by the Lord in John 21. And, and the love of Peter's life was tested here because the Lord looked at him after he'd just caught a great draw of fishes and now he had to make a decision. If, are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to stay with the nets? You've got to make a choice here. You've got to make a dedication. You've got to make a consecration. In, the, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, let me see if I can find that scripture real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. There's no way that I'm going to read all of that. But you find, you find there the qualifications that are presented for, for, uh, for people to be in the ministry and in the, in the gospel. And, and when you read that, uh, the Bible said, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, no, not greedy of filthy lucre, that's money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well in his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how should he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with a pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them. And it goes on and on and on. I, but, but you know what it does? It talks about the qualifications, the commitment, the dedication, the consecration, even of the preacher. He's got to be there. I'm not exempt. Sometimes I need to go get preached to, and I do. I got to be preached to. Preachers come here sometime and I'm sitting over here thinking, God, you sent them here just to preach to me. True, I'm not, I'm not just telling you that. I feel that way sometimes. I'm not exempt from the things of this world. Neither are you. We need the preaching of the word of God. We need dedication. We need consecration. And furthermore, we need discipleship. Self-denial and cross-bearing are prerequisites for true discipleship. The Lord never said, follow me. He never just said, uh, follow me and we'll have hamburgers and fries every Friday night and, and we'll go fishing on Monday and, and we'll, we'll have shopping trips. on. That's not following God. He said, take up your cross and follow me. It's cross-bearing. It's rough sometimes. Uh some of you hear me, some of you don't, but living, this is why, this is what Romans chapter 12, just, just put, uh, put that up if you can. If you can, I understand. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I, I want you to see what Paul told the church. He said, and if you walk outside the doors of this church, the left side, and you turn around and look on the wall engraved 
in front of this church is this scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. My dad had that put on the front of this church. He believed that. I believe that. But the second verse said, the second verse said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove, everybody say prove, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God uses some things to prove his people. He wants us to be a holy church, a a, a great church is not just a church that's full of people that don't care. A great church is a people that have a heart for the lost. Great church is people that know how to worship and magnify God. A great church is people who know how to give of their time and their assets and their money and their heart and their soul and their mind and their strength. A great church is somebody that knows how to present their body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. I've said it, I'll say it, I'll say it until I die. A crowd is not a church. They're going to gather crowds in different places. They'll put 102,000 in LSU Stadium in a few weeks. That's not a church. A crowd is not a church. A crowd is just a crowd. But when you find a church, they're holy and acceptable unto God and they presented themselves and that's what the Lord is looking for. I'd love to have everything in this building with a with packed, every service. But let me tell you something, I'd rather have 10 that truly love God than a 1,000 that are just here by name only. Amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. So I, I close quickly tonight. There are many ways and methods that God chooses to prove our love for him and our dedication to him. And you can be assured that if you haven't been tested, you will be. There, there, would be, there would be no way to manifest light, people, but if there was no darkness. Neither there would there be a, a determining of true followers of Jesus if there were no methods of proving. Somebody's going to stand out. David prayed for God to examine him. Created me a clean heart, O oh Lord. Renewing me a right spirit. Amen? So there, there's some things that, that we need to take a look at. And, and, and in our, our, our lives, you may think, well, boy, this is rough right now. Well, ask yourself, why is it rough? David said this, for thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. We've been in the fire. We've, we've been... Why are we here? Why am I going through this financial struggle? Why am I having trouble here? Or why am I going through this? Not, the Lord's not trying to make you sin. He's trying to make you better. We pray better when we're in trouble. Come on, you like that or love that. I'm telling you that God's honest truth. I, I've seen people that wouldn't hardly pray at all, but you let, you let, you let the trouble come. We're all guilty. I'm including me. Come on now. It's hard to get down and just pray an hour 
or even pray 30 minutes. It's a, but I tell you what, it ain't hard to snot and slobber before the Lord when everything is going bad. Hmm? The Lord knows how to get your attention, doesn't he? David said, we're tried as silver's tried. Here's what he said in Psalms 26 and 2. Examine me, O Lord. Listen, he said this, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. In other words, look at me. Give me a test. Give me a test. Let me see. And I've, I've said this so many times preaching in this pulpit over the last 33 years. Here's what, here's what I believe, that if you don't pass that test, Brother Jay, you're going through it again. God's trying to do whatever it takes. He sees the the weak areas of your life. He sees the things that you don't handle well. And Look, if you don't learn to forgive, honey, you're you going to keep going through it until you learn to forgive. If you're bad at losing your temper, you're going to keep going through it until you learn to control your temper. Hello? There's some things that we have to learn, and God just says, you know what? I'm going to put this out here. This this will make you better. I'll let I'll let this go. Now, now God's not going to run a prostitute by you and say, "Look at this." That's not God. God's not going to throw a, a a a bag of drugs on your car seat and say, "Here, take that." That's not God. But I tell you what, He will do. He'll allow people in your life that'll make you pray more. He'll allow things in your life that'll make you go to the prayer room and the altar. He'll put some things there that'll get you consecrated and dedicated to God because he wants to prove you. And if, he, if you fail, he's going to come back and make you do it again because you hadn't passed that test yet. When I was going to school, I think now it's, it's everybody passes and everybody gets a trophy and everybody's rewarded for, for nothing. But uh, I think that's probably the way it is now. But when I was going to school, if you didn't pass, you didn't go the next grade. You stayed there. Do you got it? I've seen kids that were, there's the only one in the fifth grade that could date the teacher. <laughs> That's truth. But, 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 but it's not like that now. Oh, everybody's a winner. Oh, everybody's good. But let me tell you something. God's going to put you through that and let you go through those things until he proves you. He wants you strong. He wants you mighty. He wants you powerful. He wants you anointed. He wants you holy. He wants you glorious. He wants you without spot or wrinkle. He wants you to clean up the weaknesses of your spiritual life. That's what God does. That's what he's done to me. That's what he's doing to you. And that's what he's still doing to me because that's a God that cares about us and wants us to, you know, you know when you, when you go, go break a leg or do whatever and, and go to physical therapy, do you know why they put you through therapy? To, to, to build that muscle back, to get that, to get that movement back. Let me tell you what God does. He builds your muscles through, through therapy. He gives you a little, little proving ground and said, this is what you got to do right here. This, if you don't do this, you're not going to make it. Stand with me all over the house. My Lord, have mercy. So here we are in 2022, and we're in the proving section of our life just to show God who we are and what we are. Your self-appraisal of your spiritual man is insufficient. It's insufficient proof to God. Your self-appraisal is not good enough. On God's proving grounds, he does it his way.
through various trials that you may come forth. This is what he said, that you may come forth as gold. Gold, tried in the fire. So remember, God's method of proving people may not be man's method, but it's the best method. And it's never to destroy you, but it's to make you ready for the rapture of the church and get you better so that you can serve God better. Amen. The ushers are coming right now to receive your offering. I hope you'll give and bless God on this Wednesday night.